for whatever reason, when my husband asked me on that day, on that time, he said, you know, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? And this thing just like came out of my mouth. It was almost like word vomit before I even knew what I was saying. I said, well, I would own my own Pilates studio. Have you considered investing in a franchise or running one yourself? Are you searching for information to help you make the best decision possible for your future? Have you ever worried about whether the information you're finding has your best interests in mind? Welcome to the Franchise Rising Podcast. In this show, we bring on experts, franchisees, and selective franchisors to share strategies, stories, and expert advice to help women like you along your franchise journey. The information on this show is not intended as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy a franchise and is for information purposes only. I'm your host, Erin Carpenter. Let's get going with today's show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Franchise Rising Podcast. For those of you who have stuck around with me all this time or have even just um, tapped in to some of our beginning episodes, we are interviewing another franchisee from Club Pilates. So on episode number two, we interviewed Brie Booz, a franchisee of Club Pilates. And in her episode, she spoke about someone who had inspired her to begin her journey with Club Pilates. Her name is Emily Hammett. Brie raved about her. And so I said, <laughs> I have to get her on the show. And, and thankfully, months and months later, here she is. We have Emily Hammett, uh, the owner of four, unless something's changed, yes, which we'll no, find, you got four it. Club Pilates on the show. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much. All yeah, right. Brie. Brie's yeah, too well, kind. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. I'm sure I didn't even do it justice there, but it's great to have you. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Emily, tell us, tell us a little bit about the, the locations that you owned yourself and mm -hmm. just give us a little brief background before we dive into it. Yeah, of course. So I own four Club Pilates locations in Orange County. Um, at the time when, I, when we were opening the first studio, I was actually still living in San Diego I had this idea in my head that, you know, I could spend a little bit of time, I, a lot of time driving, I guess, up front, getting things open. And then once it's open, you know, I'd be living remotely and, and managing remotely. And, you know, we found out pretty quickly through the opening process that it wasn't going to be that easy. So um, when we were in construction for the first studio, you know, we actually moved up to Orange County. And so my first studio is in Villa Park, which is in the city of Orange. And then about a year later, we opened in Rancho Santa Margarita. And then I think it was about, you know, nine months later, we opened in Tustin, California. And then just a few months after that opened in San Clemente, which is where I live. Wow. You guys have been on a roll. Oh, yeah. It's, okay, been, so we, it's been crazy. Yeah, <laughs> we, so we opened those four studios within three years. That's amazing. So yeah, it's been it's been a busy three years, but luckily I'm on the other side of it now. <laughs> All right, ladies, and now it's smooth sailing for her, as we've been joking before. Yes. we were joking before the we hit the record button. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Everything's running itself now. That's right. <laughs> and I say that with <laughs> the most amount of sarcasm possible. <laughs> <laughs> ladies, just Emily's proof that this can be done. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> so Emily, who's we? Um, we is my husband and I. So, um, when I opened the first location, it was 
just me kind of doing, you know, my dream. And um, when I opened the second location, um, he kind of started to get a little bit involved and, um, you know, helped a little bit, you know, with the contractors and the build outs. But, you know, that second studio was still really a learning process for him. And then, you know, once we got to the third studio is, you know, where he started to get even more involved. And um, I'd say about that time is where we really learned how to kind of divide and conquer. And, you know, what am I really good at? And what's my skill set? And, you know, same for him. And so, you know, he kind of took over on that third studio, really all of the build out, which was amazing. That was hands down my least favorite part of the whole process is, you know, getting it open and dealing with contractors. And really, it's just like this whole industry of people who say that they're going to get things done by a certain time, which of course, if you've ever done anything construction wise, it never happens by that timeline, you know, and then with the fourth studio, again, he kind of completely managed um, not only the, the build out, but also the pre-sale um, and all that sort of stuff. So, and, you know, now it, it's interesting because this, this started as, you know, my dream and my passion and what I wanted to do. And, you know, he had his, his job that he was very passionate about. And then, or, or so I guess I should say he thought he was passionate about, but then he really saw me kind of grow and shine and just fall in love with what I'm doing. And, I think I've just kind of pulled him over and um, he's actually now completely transitioning out of um, his job. So it's, it's been a kind of funny couple of years with us doing it together. Oh, I love that. I love to hear yeah. about the teamwork and the growth in, you know, in both of you. And you talk about, I just want to go back to the very beginning. You said this was your dream. I also mm-hmm. noted in your background information, how you have a background in finance and accounting. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. a CPA. Is that correct? Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So did this dream just come out of nowhere? Uh, like why Club Pilates? Is it the business? Is it mm-hmm. the Pilates? Is it, yeah, I want to know more about that. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it, I think it's a, the accumulation of a lot of things. And so I, um, you know, really growing up, my, my grandfather was an entrepreneur and, you know, worked for himself and, you know, said all of those kind of like normal things that are almost a little bit trite these days and, you know, do something that you love and you'll never work a day in your life, you know, right. and all of those sorts of things. And so I think that those ideas were kind of dropping in for me really early on and, you know, then kind of fast forwarding more into, you know, college and, you know, you're deciding what your major is and, you know, wh- who you want to be when you grow up. And, you know, I-, I think I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't really know, like, okay, cool. I know that, but what's next? I didn't have this amazing idea on like how I want to change the world. So I, I kind of chose the safe route really. And, um, you know, I started studying, you know, business in college and really found a niche in accounting. It was something that, you know, really came naturally to me and, you know, they, they lay out kind of the career path and the salary opportunities. And, you know, I see dollar signs and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm good at this. It's easy for me there's money here, you know, why not kind of go down that route? So I did, I, you know, graduated with my undergrad in accounting and then um, continued on, got my master's in tax taxation and um, started my career in public accounting at Ernst & Young, one of the big four accounting firms. And, you know, found out pretty quickly that it wasn't, you know, really what I wanted to be doing. 
This was, you know, I graduated college in 2009. So kind of right after everything kind of fell apart and, you know, with the accounting world, (laughs) to put it lightly, with the accounting world, um, that meant that, you know, they laid off a ton of people and they were doing essentially the same amount of work with even less people, which meant more hours, you know, for the people that were still there. So I was working, you know, 80 to 90 to 100 hour weeks. Um, It got so bad. I remember I had this one client that, you know, we would work until like 4.35 a.m. And I'd drive home, you know, just to get a few hours of sleep, try not to kill myself on the drive home because I was so exhausted. Mm. Um, Then turn around and come back to be at their office at 8, 8.30 in the morning the next day. And like we would take, and it was this socially acceptable practice to take toilet paper from the office to like take home with you because this was before Amazon Prime, you know, and you didn't have time to go get toilet paper, you know, oh. and so you just kind of had to figure it out. And um, so I, I figured out pretty quickly that that wasn't for me and, you know, kind of continued my career after that. And, you know, I, I made a couple of moves. Luckily, I had, you know, a lot of internship experience in college. And so a lot of my previous bosses um, kind of called on me and said, Hey, we, you know, we, we're, we have this position. I think that you're going to be a great fit. And so I was really able to kind of elevate my career really quickly with some of those connections. And, you know, each time I kind of jump ship and move to a different office, you know, with a diff- working with a different, different group of people, I would get, you know, a little bit of like a cutback on the hours that I was working and a little bit more freedom and and, you know, each time it kind of got more and more, but it still just wasn't enough. I, I, you know, I really got to this point where, um, you know, my, my last position, I was a CFO for Northwestern Mutual in San Diego. And so there was a couple of um, offices within that group. And, you know, my, my boss luckily, you know, really did everything that he could to keep me there and, and really gave me as much um, freedom and flexibility as that role would allow for. And, you know, I was, of course, super grateful for that. And, you know, each time, um, and again, each raise that I got made it like a little bit easier for, you know, a period of a few months. It's like, I get this big raise and I'm like, okay, I can, I can continue to do this. And then that just kind of wore off. And, you know, when my now husband and I got engaged, you know, we really did a lot of soul searching and kind of like, okay, we're, we're going to build a life together And what do we want that life to look like? And, you know, the the whole corporate America thing just was not my fit because I just needed so much more flexibility than that could have ever provided. I, like, I feel so passionately that the days of um, working, you know, nine to five, Monday through Friday, like, that's just so unrealistic. Who actually works those hours? I mean, like, I know there's plenty of people who show up to the office for those hours, but realistically, like, that's just not the way that, that we're designed, you know, you don't just show up and say, okay, well, now it's eight o'clock. So I'm going to sit down at my desk for the next eight hours, and I'm going to work. Um, you know, I, I personally saw a lot of inefficiencies in, oh, yeah. in corporate America. And, you know, Brie and I, so Brie and I, um, we didn't meet at work. But, you know, eventually, we ended up kind of working in the same office. And I hope that um, nobody that we worked with ever listens to this, but we would leave the office and like go on a quote unquote Starbucks run and be gone for like an hour and a half, just walking around. Right. Um, And, you know, both pretending like we're in a meeting with someone somewhere, you know, and then we'd come back up and just count down the minutes. Like, okay, when can we go take another break and walk around the building and get out of here? 
Um, well, and I think that's not uncommon in, in so many um, work environments. And it's unfortunate because it's built, so many are built on this archaic model of mm-hmm. you, know, you have to put it, people have to be there for eight hours for, for what, for what reason? And, yeah. and the measures of success are, are tied in all the wrong places. I mean, why not mm-hmm. talk about productivity or outcome or base it on something else and, you know, yeah, uh, absolutely. It depends, on, it depends on the business, of course. Like if you have to be there for support mm-hmm. for a certain reason or, uh, right. you know, that might be different, but I, I hear right. you. And I think that's why there are a lot of women like you jumping out, looking mm-hmm. for something different. This, this whole wave of entrepreneurship, companies starting to have virtual, um, uh, virtual infrastructures. You know, that's, that's changing mm-hmm. too. So I, I agree with you that the shift is, you know, the yeah. nine to five. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The nine to five is just so archaic. You know, I understand Mm -hmm. back before the internet and email and even text message or, you know, we're doing a zoom conference right now before all of that existed. I understand the purpose, but I mean, it's 2018. There's, there's gotta be a better way to do this. And I really feel like the, the companies that are evolving and, you know, like I, I'm sure we'll kind of get into this a little bit more, but Um, I have a manager, you know, at each location that they do not have set hours at all whatsoever. I give them unlimited paid vacation and, you know, it's basically, you've got a job to do and you're an adult, you're responsible and you can figure out how to do the job that I pay you for. I'm not paying you for a certain number of hours every day. I'm paying for a job. And I think that, you know, it's a, it's a little bit scary as a business owner to do that. You in order for that to be successful, you absolutely have to hire the right people because I'm sure that there's plenty of people out there that would take advantage of it. And like, they're right. hanging out at the beach all day and saying, oh yeah, I was, I was working all day. But, but I then think- they're not going to get the job done. Exactly. And, and, and then they're, they're not, not going to be on the not team. Gonna achieve the results. And so they won't, right. they won't make it anyway. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, what I tell my managers is if you're getting the entire job done in 30 hours a week, then great. Take that extra 10 hours and go live your life, do what you want to do. And, you know, I really encourage them to be fulfilled in their own personal life. And, you know, if they're happy and fulfilled and all that sort of stuff, they're going to bring that to work. You better believe that, you know? Yeah. I love that. And yeah. Yeah. And I definitely, that, that makes me even more curious. And I want to definitely dive into that Mm -hmm. regarding Club Pilates and your relationship and how much liberty you have as a franchisee as well. Uh, and, and just real quick before we get into that, I'm curious, to answer. what's that? <laughs> I said, that's going to be a tough, tough question for me to answer, but we'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll do, we'll, 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 you can go as far as you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> so you, I, I, I hear, I hear that you wanted to do something more fulfilling. How mm-hmm. did you come across Club Pilates? As an so, um, I, you know, kind of back to that conversation that, uh, my husband and I were having on kind of, okay, we we're, we're building this life together. What do we want it to look like and feel like, you know, and all that sort of thing. And, you know, I really took kind of like a, a year, maybe a year and a half of some serious soul searching and getting very specific and very clear on, you know, what are the things that I'm looking for? And, you know, in kind of my perfect dream world, what does that, what does that look like? Not necessarily like what, position or role am I in just more of kind of some of the intangibles, you know? And so I kind of touched on this already. The freedom and flexibility was the the biggest thing that I was looking for in that, you know, I didn't want to be in that box of nine to five. I wanted to 
you know, it's, I had a few days in that last corporate role that I had where I could work from home. And I noticed that when I was working from home completely uninterrupted by other people in the office, I could bang out all eight hours of work in like three hours or sometimes less, sometimes a little bit more, but I didn't need the whole eight hours because I didn't have all of these kind of like mindless interruptions. And, you know, I, 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 the other big thing was really the compensation part is, is it's kind of an interesting thing because on one hand, you know, with, with what I was doing in corporate America, I was definitely fairly compensated for my, my role in the job that I was doing. But at the same time, like if I completely killed it and banged the job out of the park, or if I fully like slacked off and spent a lot of time with Bree walking around the building with our Starbucks, my paycheck remained the same, no matter what, you know, and it's for me personally, it was really hard to stay motivated and to show up every day and, and give it my all and like kill it and feel like, yeah, I did this, which, you know, is something that I want to feel when you don't have that motivation, you know, when you don't have that upside potential of like the, the fruits of your labor. And so, you know, I wanted something that um, offered, you know, uh, an income potential that was greater than just, you know, clicking away each year, you get your annual raise and then you get your annual raise after that. Um, I wanted something that had greater potential than that. And, you know, so again, I looked into all sorts of different things. I, you know, toyed with the idea of going back to law school. I thought about doing, you know, CFO for hire type of work, um, you know, for other small businesses. And um, it's funny, it's just such a simple question that like, I feel like everybody's asked themselves, but for whatever reason, when my husband asked me on that day on that time, he said, you know, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? And this thing just like came out of my mouth. It was almost like word vomit before I even knew what I was saying. I said, well, I would own my own Pilates studio. Kind of like, duh. And then as soon as I said it out loud, I was like, well, that was, that was stupid. Like, what, I, I, how could I even do that? Here I am like an accountant, a CPA. Like, yeah, I, I, I was a client actually at a Club Pilates. I'd been doing um, Pilates before Club Pilates even. And, you know, I, I loved it um, kind of on my own little like, at home time. But, you know, at that, at that point in time, I never really thought that there could be like income, like really sustainable income, you know, from, from Pilates. And, you know, it's like, well, what am I going to be a Pilates instructor? And, you know, like, that's it, that's not going to be fulfilling for me. And, um, you know, so kind of laughed it off. And then, um, honestly, within a few days, I found out about the franchising opportunity with Club Pilates and, you know, reached out to Allison Beardsley, who was the original founder with Club Pilates. She's been so inspirational for me, you know, still, still is, even though she's kind of not really in the Club Pilates uh, realm anymore, but, you know, reached out to her and kind of got going right away with Club Pilates. And, you know, it's funny, I had this long ex- exploration period Initially, it was like a year, year and a half where I was kind of doing that soul searching and that work. And, and then, you know, and I was very clear on what I was looking for, which is definitely my recommendation for others who are kind of following in that path is get crystal clear on what it is that you're looking for. And then once you are crystal clear on what that is, when the opportunity presents itself, it's a no brainer. So for me, it was kind of, I learned about the opportunity. And then basically two weeks later, I had a signed franchise agreement. I was, 
signed up for teacher training and literally started teacher training that weekend. Like it happened so fast. And then here we are now. <laughs> There's wow. been all sorts of fun things in between then and now. <laughs> I'm sure we'll did touch you, on those. Well, so did you, did you have any apprehensions uh, before signing? I mean, there, it, it, it did move quickly. There wasn't mm -hmm. a lot of time. Maybe that was a good thing. It didn't give you a lot of chance yeah. to question and doubt, but you had to have had some concerns. I mean, yes and no. I mean, anytime, anytime you make kind of a, a drastic change like that, the, you know, the big thing for me was, you know, walking away from a very good, stable paycheck. Wow. You know, like I got paid every two weeks, just money came into my bank account and that was that, you know? And so once, um, you know, once I decided to make the shift, you know, my husband and I really started focusing on, on saving, which was nice, you know? And so I knew that I wanted to transition out. And, um, then especially once I knew that I was going to, you know, make that transition with club Pilates that happened in October. And then I ended up staying, um, in my CFO position through the end of January. So I was kind of doing this like, you know, side hustle thing where I was writing my business plan. I want to say at night, but a lot of times it also fell <laughs> during that nine to five time. But, you know, I was kind of working on that on the side. Um, and, you know, there's no doubt that that's scary. You know, you're saving up all of this money and again, walking away from that stable paycheck where you, you know that that money is going to get deposited in your bank account. And that's absolutely a scary thing. But I think for me, because I got so clear on what it was that I was looking for. And then when I found this, it literally checked every single box. And so, you know, there, there were those moments and I think that's always going to exist there. You know, even now there's, you know, there's always, you're always going to have those, that moment of kind of second guessing yourself. But I think, you know, what really helped me was just getting super crystal clear on what am I looking for and, and, you know, and where am I now and how do I get to where I'm going to be that, um, yeah, some of that normal apprehension existed, but, um, you know, I honestly, I looked, I looked ahead and I never once looked back still to okay. this day. I've That's never, awesome. never once. It, it's funny to even talk about because I don't even know that person that I was when I was in that whole corporate world. Like I, I literally don't even know that Emily anymore. When I, when I talk about that past and I'm super, I would, I would never change a thing about anything that I've done. That training for me was excellent. And, um, you know, I really learned a lot of skill sets and, you know, all that sort of stuff that I am using today. And so I'm, I'm happy that I spent that time there, but it, it really just, it's so funny because it's just so not me. And I think I've really been able to step into my, you know, kind of my true self and where I am now. And, um, like, I just, I don't even know that person anymore. I don't, the thought of like having to go back to that world, like there's no turning back now, don't get me wrong. But if like, you know, everything collapsed and I had to go get a corporate job, like I, I couldn't do it. There's just no way. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like the freedom has been pretty incredible for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I still work long, crazy hours and, um, you know, this, this last weekend I, um, you know, I went out to Bhakti Fest. Um, so I took three days off where, um, you know, of course I'm still checking in and checking emails and responding to like a text message or just saying like, Hey, can this wait until Monday? Um, you know, and I don't, 
I don't really take like, like a day off to me isn't, isn't what a day off means to like somebody that's in that kind of corporate America, because there isn't, you know, when you work for yourself, you don't have that ability to like clock out, hang up your hat and say, okay, I'm done. There's nothing I need to worry about. You know, when you work for yourself, something that was a really difficult transition for me was, um, you know, this idea of there's all of these things. I have this huge laundry list of things that need to get done. And, you know, my kind of hardest transition, I think in this is realizing that there will never be a day from now until the rest of forever where I get to everything on the to-do list. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I have that personality where, you know, I want to check everything off and say I'm done. And then when I'm done, say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go hang up my hat. And now I'm done. You know, the shift now is what are the most important things that I need to do to yeah. move the ship forward? And what are the things that I'm not going to get to? And I just have to be okay with not getting to those things. And hopefully there's a day, you know, where I do get to those things, but sometimes there's never a day. And then I realize, okay, this thing has been on the list for a while. I haven't gotten to it. I need to, I need to kind of offload this to somebody else on my team and have them take care of it. Um, That's a good lesson for all of us. Prioritizing time management. It's fantastic. So, when you, so Emily, I want to hear about, so you have four locations open, mm-hmm. you opened them all within three years of each other. When yes. you, and, and you have this background in finance, so you must have been projecting a little bit into the future mm-hmm. uh, about trying to, to identify the revenue numbers and what you needed to do in order to hit those. Yeah. How, at what point did you know that you wanted to go beyond one location? Well, so when I signed um, the contract, my original contract with Allison, I signed um, what's called a, a MUDA. It's a multi-unit development agreement. Okay. And so I had originally signed on for three. And so usually, you know, when you, when you sign a multi-unit agreement, there's a little bit of a discount in that um, initial upfront fee. So um, back at that time, this has changed now. Um, but, you know, it was, I think it would have been, you know, 75000 for three, but it ended up being, you know, 65000 There's a little bit of a break there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, so around the, about the time that I opened my first studio is when Allison sold the franchise company um, to somebody else. And um, at that time, when the new owner came in, um, you know, the new owner had a lot of ideas on you know, kind of where things were going to go into the future. And there were, um, you know, a number of franchisees who kind of opted out of that change and said, you know, because you, you kind of, I guess I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Allison, you know, grew everything very organically. So her first set of franchisees were instructors, her, like her own instructors. And um, then kind of like the next layer beyond that, which is what I fall into, were it started to reach out into people who were clients and then now kind of fast forward to where it is, you know, there's, it's just gone so mainstream. And so you have, you know, all of these kind of like investor type people who don't know anything about Pilates and very sadly don't care about Pilates at all. Um, They just, you know, see like, you know, the ROI on the piece of paper and say, sure, sign me up. Like, you know, let's do this. And so, there, there were a number of franchisees that, you know, opted out of kind of transitioning into this new kind of wave of the future with Club Pilates. And, um, you know, one of them was in San Clemente, which is our hometown. It's now kind of, you know, our, our forever home. And 
when that territory became available and they debranded, you know, we kind of jumped on it right away. And, you know, we were like, look, if somebody, somebody's going to own a club Pilates here in San Clemente and we don't want to be living here and having some other person running it like, you know, because not, not all franchisees are created equal. It's not like you go into, you know, every subway and have like an amazing experience at, at every subway. Sometimes, you know, it's dirty and the service is terrible or, you know, whatever it is. And so, you know, we kind of living in this town and making connections in the community, um, we wanted to make sure if there was going to be a Club Pilates in town that it was going to be ours and not one that's, you know, run by somebody who you know, doesn't have that natural passion really that, that I do for, for what, what it is that we're doing and what we're offering. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you really do have a passion for what you're offering and that's not always the case. You know, we've talked to other mm -hmm. franchisees who uh, have, they, they find a different passion. It may not be in the nature of the business, but it might mm -hmm. be in owning a business. Yeah. It might be the other set that you're describing. So how important has that passion that you have for Pilates itself, how important has that been for you Mm -hmm. in owning and growing this, this set of franchises. Franchise. Yeah. I mean, for okay. me, for me personally, that's, that's everything. Like that's at the heart and soul and the center of, of what we're doing, you know, and I, um, I, I really do believe in Pilates, you know, and the power that it has to heal people's bodies and, you know, for the longevity of the rest of their life. And I, I believe in that. And, you know, we, it's funny because now, now that we have these studios and, you know, they're up and running and they're doing their thing, my husband and I have spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, okay, you know, what's, what's next for us? You know, it's not just going to be these four locations and now we're just going to sit back and that's going to be, you know, the, the end of my career. You know, we want to do more things. And, um, you know, I've, I've had a really hard time working with our franchisor and, you know, my experience with, um, with them, you know, again, this does not include Allison working with Allison is like, I would do that for the rest of my life. Anything that she did, I'd follow her. Um, but you know, I, I have, I have had a hard time, you know, and it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, you know, on one hand, you know, the revenue and the income, um, nowadays in Club Pilates, um, isn't even comparable to, you know, what it used to be, but at the same time, you know, it's, you know, losing a little bit of that heart and soul and, um, you know, her, the culture that Allison founded Club Pilates on. And it gets a little bit diluted, you know, when, when you get a bunch of people who are just looking at the numbers and, you know, trying to hit, you know, different metrics so that they could be like the biggest and the best and the fastest growing, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I think, um, you know, when that happens, it's natural that the integrity of what's going on gets a little bit diluted. And so that's something that, I'm super passionate about and that I really bring, you know, to our studios. I, I do my absolute best every single day to keep that culture alive. And how can I help? How can I serve? How do I uplift others? Um, that's really, you know, what it was all, all founded on, you know, and, and I, I really want to do my best to keep that, keep that alive. And, you know, like I said, I have a manager at each location and, you know, I really run this, like, you know, they're my family. And, um, I don't, you know, I don't want it to just be this, this big thing where I'm sitting back in my ivory tower saying, you do this, you do that. I, I do my best to like, really I'm grooming my managers and, you know, who knows what the future holds for them. But I think, you know, my job 
for them is to prepare them the best of my ability to, if they want to go open up a Pilates studio, I'm basically teaching them how to do it and I'm empowering them to do that. And, you know, so that the, the passion side of things, you know, I don't think it's necessary. Like, you know, this is no disrespect to anything that I'm about to mention, but if I were to go open up a Papa John's, like, am I super passionate about Papa John's pizza? Like, no. Could I, could I open up one of those and be success, be successful? Absolutely. But, but for me, you know, and especially kind of going back to like my reason why I even made the shift and what I was really looking for, I wanted something that was more fulfilling. And so, you know, for me personally, and I know this isn't the case for everybody, but I, I've got to be passionate about what it is I'm doing. Otherwise, again, it just kind of becomes another job. And that's, that's just not what I was looking for, you know? And so um, I think for me personally, that's, that's the most important thing is, yeah. you know, there, there will be other things after club Pilates for me. And you know, I haven't, haven't exactly identified what those things are yet, but you know, you better believe it's not just going to be like flinging pizzas or you know, whatever it is. Right. 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 That. Yeah. But and I, I actually believe in, you know, I think that's really admirable and the passion that you put into your business and also the compassion you've you've shown with your, your managers and how you're grooming them, that probably shines through to the customers too. They probably feel it or, or oh, yeah. members, guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm sure they feel it and that makes a difference. So I, 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 I'm all on board with that, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's, you know, that side of things was also a little tricky for me to navigate at, at first. So mm-hmm. when, um, when I opened the very first studio, I was working in that studio seven days a week. I had one instructor who taught Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning, and I was the only other instructor that I had. So I was doing all of teaching all of the classes. And then on top of that, running all of the operations and sales and customer service, literally everything. So if if somebody had a question, comment, concern, you know, they were getting direct access to me. And when I opened and, you know, then over time I started to hire, you know, a few more instructors and then, you know, front desk staff, sales staff. And then when I opened the second studio, you know, I really had to kind of shift my focus to that second studio. And, um, you know, it, it was, I think probably harder on me than, than any of our clients, but people, people missed seeing me and having that connection to me. And, and, you know, like I, I am so passionate about this and it got them excited and, and passionate about, you know, what Pilates could do for them. And then, you know, of course it tied them to me personally and they love, you know, like a, a female entrepreneur, they wanted to support me and all those sorts of things. And, you know, I still to this day have very close relationships with clients that, that I had literally from day one, a lot of, a lot of our clients that, brought our in, brought into our kind of pre-sale opening packages a lot of those clients are still with us and i don't see them all nearly as much as i do but you know when i do it's it's kind of like no time has passed which is nice yeah wow that's amazing now and when you talk about not knowing what's next mm-hmm. after club Pilates, would it is there a possibility you'd open some complimentary franchise i know that's something that happens yeah. I mean, right. the, I think the, the possibilities are, are endless, really, you know, when you think about it, there's, it's, you know, it's so funny to think about, you know, kind of rewinding a little bit to something that I had mentioned earlier in that, you know, I, I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I like didn't have an idea and like didn't know how to get started. Now I'm finding 
I have so many ideas. Now there's like a billion different things that I want to do and, and, and different concepts that I, you know, want to open and all that sort of stuff. Um, either within the world of franchising or, you know, now outside of that, I, I don't have the capacity to say yes to everything that comes across my desk now, you know? Um, so there's absolutely going to be other things. Um, but those, those other, th well, I guess one of the things is, is kind of already gotten started. My husband and I just recently launched a new business. It's called Salt and Honey. Um, oh. and they basically, I, as an a Pilates instructor, I had a lot of my clients would take like a bath towel into the studio and lay it down on the reformer and do Pilates on the bath towel, which like if you're a Pilates instructor is the, the most kind of like annoying thing that you could see happen because you're losing so, so much of the beautiful benefits of Pilates by doing that because, and I'm going to get a little Pilates technical right now, yeah. but when you're laying down on the reformer, you know, you're decompressing your spine and elongating your spine and then working out, you know, in that correct posture and that correct form, which, you know, will help to stabilize really your spine, you know, for the rest of your life. And when you throw a, a towel down, I understand the purpose, like they're sweating and they don't want to like lay in their pool of sweat. And, you know, then they've got the previous person that was sweating all over the reformer too. So I got understood the purpose, but you're, you're losing that decompression of the spine when you're, when you're doing that. And so something that I do a lot of outside of Pilates is yoga. And, um, I don't, I don't really do hot yoga anymore, but you know, I did. And, you know, when you're doing hot yoga, you've got your yoga towel and then your, or your yoga mat and then your towel that you lay on top of that. And so I basically kind of took that yoga towel and cut it to be like a specific shape and size for the reformer and the headrest, you know, and, and we're selling them on the internet and, and kind of doing a couple wholesale orders and studios across the country now. And just just launching now <laughs> so awesome hey yeah. well if you'll let us know we'll put a show a link in the show notes to it so anyone listening can check it out and yeah hop online and order some i would love that <laughs> well it's amazing what happens when you have that abundance mindset and you jump into yeah. something and you open your eyes to the possibilities of of what else mm -hmm. you can grow and and so it's no surprise to me that all these ideas are are flooding in Yes. And, and though you can't say yes to everything, thank you <laughs> for, to, for saying yes to this podcast interview. Oh, of course. Really, really appreciate <laughs> My it. pleasure. Uh, three questions real yes. quick that I, uh, I like to end our interviews with. So mm -hmm. one, Emily, what's mm -hmm. the best business advice you've ever received? Yeah, that, that one's a super easy question for me to answer. So, um, you know, when I was first looking into kind of the Club Pilates idea. And, you know, I, I had a mentor or I still do at this time. He's been, you know, a mentor of mine throughout my entire career. And, and, you know, he's an entrepreneur, which I recommend everybody goes out to, and gets a mentor. And so when I first showed him my business plan for Club Pilates, I was so, I remember being so excited to show it to him. I, I just assumed like he was going to look at the business plan, read through it, just be so blown out of the water and like, give me all of this praise and all that sort of stuff. And he kind of looked at it and, and, you know, read through it and came back to me and was like, you're going to do all this work just for, for that, you know, like just that amount of money, like, yeah, that's it. You know, what's going on. And, and for me at the time, again, kind of coming from my corporate America background, the, the financial side of it, like I thought, I thought it was big. I thought it was huge. And, you know, the advice that he gave to me was think bigger, dream, dream bigger. And it's like, you know, I think that a lot of times when, when you're, you know, looking into different opportunities and, you know, deciding and evaluating, do I move forward with this? Do I move forward with that? You know, we, 
we all get a little bit stuck in kind of our perception of, you know, reality, whatever that reality is. And, you know, you think, okay, the opportunity is this when really like think so think bigger, you know, it could all of everything can be so much bigger than what you're thinking now. And you really have to kind of let go of your perception of, you know, what the reality is. And, and again, just think, think so much bigger than that, because um, I mean, I think isn't that kind of the whole purpose behind being an entrepreneur is, you know, you're not, you're not showing up just to do, you know, what everybody did before you, right. um, you know, and you should be thinking bigger. That's, that's, if you, that's going to make you successful. <laughs> I love it. Don't, yeah. don't put limits on your potential. Yeah, exactly. Think bigger. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So what, is there any specific advice pertaining to franchising that you would give to prospective female franchisees? Yeah, you know, the franchise world, um, well, one, I, I absolutely recommend it, you know, especially for somebody who, um, you know, if you kind of heard my story about, you know, I wanted to work for myself, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do and kind of how to get there. Um, for, for somebody in that position, I absolutely recommend franchising because it's, it's basically an opportunity to own your own business and work for yourself, but also have kind of like training wheels on. For me, it was, it was just such a great, I think, training ground for like the things that are going to come next. Um, and it's just such a great way to kind of get my, my feet wet. And, you know, there's, there's a couple of different pieces, pieces of advice, you know, um, one, like if you're looking for something that, that again, you, again, if you want that passion side of things, again, if you, and I, I like to use the pizza as an example, just cause it's an easy one. Like if you just want to own a business and you're fine with selling pizza, then, you know, the passion I think probably isn't all that necessary. But if, if it is something that you want to show up every day and like truly love the work that you're doing and love the environment that you're in, you've got to get in there and like learn it all from, from the ground up. And so, you know, I started as a client with Club Pilates and, um, and then I went through the teacher training program and I got certified and, you know, now I can teach Pilates, which again, a lot, many, many owners are like, aren't even bothering with that because they're kind of mm -hmm. like, well, what's the purpose? I'm just going to hire an instructor. I'm not going to be teaching the classes. Mm -hmm. I don't really teach anymore, but you know, I think it was important for me to, again, start with kind of like my humble beginnings within the franchise and, you know, I can jump in and I can do anybody's job in, in our whole network of kind of what we're doing from the instructors to the sales associates, you know, to our managers. I, I have the ability myself to do all of that. And, you know, I think the, the hardest part about being an entrepreneur and this I think is, is true across all industries, you know, whatever it is, is hiring good people and, you know, motivating those people and keeping those people engaged. Um, and also not hiring the wrong people, which, you know, I've, I've done, I've, I've learned all sorts of lessons on the hiring front, but, you know, I think it really helps, you know, when you know what you're talking about, like, how are you supposed to hire a good Pilates instructor? If you don't know anything don't about know. Pilates, you know? Yeah. And, and it probably helps with the morale as oh, well absolutely. on your the team. Culture, I mean, I remember when you know, I used to wait, yeah, when I used to wait tables and we, we were slammed at the restaurant and it, it made a big statement when the manager hopped on the line and helped out, Yeah, you know, rolled up his or her sleeve and helped versus yeah. the ones that stood by the door, you know, just shouting orders and keeping an eye on things. It just, yeah. 
it, it makes a, it makes a different statement. So totally. Yeah. Totally. yeah. No, I, I completely understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. And I feel like we could do a whole other episode on some of the lessons learned that you oh, have, yeah. like hiring, <laughs> not hiring the wrong people. Yes. So last but not least, what other female franchisees do you know who are rocking it? Yeah. You know, I know a couple. Um, one of them is Amy Trong. She actually, she started as one of my instructors in, in Villa Park, our first location, and, you know, has since opened up her own studio and that studio has been just blowing it out of park from day one. Um, you know, I really admire a lot of the stuff that she's doing. She is probably the hardest working person that I know, maybe period. (laughs) And, you know, she's another one who's super passionate about, you know, what, what it is that we're doing and, you know, kind of why we're here. And, um, again, I think that she really resonates with, with the bigger picture beyond like just the bottom line and, you know, she, she's been really amazing to kind of work alongside as well, too. So I would absolutely recommend reaching out to her. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, wow. Emily, thank you so much for providing us with so much great information and, you know, just so much that we can take away. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So Emily, if, if our listeners would like to find you and ask any questions, uh, how can they reach you? Yeah, um, probably email is the best. And do we want, can I just throw a link in? We can throw a link in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. email, email I mean, Social media is fine too, if you oh, want yeah, to put any media. social handles in there, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw all of that in, in your little info session, or section. We'll put it in the show notes, absolutely. Yeah, perfect. All right, thanks so much, Emily, you have a great day. Yeah, thank you. I know that time is one of the precious things you don't get back. And I really appreciate you taking your time to listen to the Franchise Rising podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to the show. If you'd like to hear more, hit subscribe. Or if you don't know how to subscribe, just go to FranchiseRising.com slash subscribe and we'll guide you to the right place there. Until next time, have a great week.